Do we want to start with a question like we usually do, or do we just want to jump straight in? I think we can jump straight in if we're bridging it to the last episode. I kind of think so, too. And I think this is going to end up with more than we think it is. This is the absurd journey of three church planners reintroducing familiar ideas in unfamiliar ways. This is the Bless Up Podcast. Welcome back to the Bless Up Podcast. I'm Rachel uh, here with Corey and James. We got our usual crew and we actually, I think this is like maybe the first time ever that we are doing a series. We decided to run a series here. We got mildly organized. Yeah. Um, mildly. That's what I was going to say. I don't know how much this is like, this is like we have a series as much as it is like we made a plan. We made a plan. At we, what a few episodes are going to look we like. Made, we made a two episode plan after recording the last one. So, uh, so listen, we're going to jump back into this topic of permissible versus beneficial, but we're going to take a slightly different look at it this time. So last time we looked at, yeah, we can do all things, but are all things actually good for you? You can, you can do anything because you are an individual, but is doing anything good for you? And so, you know what, we're not going to do our usual question to kick things off. I'm going to pass straight to James, and we're going to talk about undermining our influence today. Yeah, it's really ironic, because the guy I'm going to talk about, I just literally, like... Just walked past. He just walked by. I just looked out. Right past the glass door. past the glass Glass door. door, This is why why my back is turned to the door. Yeah, I literally But I saw the look in James's eyes, and I was like, somebody's behind me, and now I have to turn around and look. Yeah, I literally just seen him. Man, I think back to 2000. 12 and 2013 and when you work in a large church there is a very it's a very corporate structure so with it being a corporate structure what that means is like there are a handful of individuals at the top of the work chart who really are making decisions for everyone else and everyone else has autonomy to run within those decisions uh in some instances but in the instance that I was in, like, I had very little, like, autonomy or say in the things that I did. And I was a part of this huddle with, like, other youth pastors and other folks who were working with youth. And this huddle was incredible. There was a guy who's kind of like a, a huddle master, like the Yoda of youth pastors. And he was challenging us and teaching us what to do with our influence. And oftentimes I would be in those spaces and I would say, man, uh, The people around me actually have say and can actually, like, make decisions that can impact and affect the ministries that they're a part of. Like, I don't. I kind of just preach and hang out with kids and, like, do the dirty work. But one day he, like, opened and he said, like, some words I'll never forget. He said, everyone has influence. Mm -hmm. Everyone has influence. Like, no matter who you are. You have influence. And he talked about being a leader. And he's like, if you have influence, you're a leader on some level. So the reality is for all of us, we have influence. Mm -hmm. It varies in degrees, but we all have influence. And if you have influence, you're a leader. And then as I think back, the things that we did in the huddle, John was helping us not to undermine like the influence that we had. Yeah. And now it's like, yeah, I make lots of decisions, and now in that, like, I'm grateful for that teaching about, yeah. 
the reality that we all do have influence and mm-hmm. all that teaching and how to not undermine our influence. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think back to, <clears throat> uh, it was, it was around that same time period. And I remember, you know, I, 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 I didn't get like, I didn't get reprimanded a ton, you know, <laughs> like I, like I, I really didn't despite, despite what my general like attitude and disposition would lead you to believe. Like I didn't get like, you know, like really sternly talked to like a ton coming up um, in, in terms of like, you know, work and, and, you know, in college or whatever. Um, but I remember, I remember the serious correction that, I was given in that similar time period. I remember it was when I would be a regular, a part, a regularly a part of staff meetings and coming out of college, you know, there's no class on like, there's a class to keep you up on what people are talking about in staff meetings, but there's no class in like how you stay engaged in staff meetings. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? <laughs> they don't and, teach you how to make your face not be so loud you know, and, or your posture. Like they teach you they teach you how to speak the language, but they don't teach, you know, they don't teach you about about RBF, you know, if you know you know. <laughs> and if you know you know. And I think that I think that like that was that was my biggest struggle is like when I'd be in these staff meetings and if it didn't directly pertain to me, my mind wanders. You know, like I'm, 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 I'm out there. And as my mind wanders, my posture becomes more relaxed. As my posture becomes more relaxed, I slide down a little bit in my chair. You know, my legs go out a little bit further. And pretty soon I'm like low key, like slouching right now. I'm not trying to like, I don't feel any type of way about anybody in the room. I'm not being in my mind. I'm not being disrespectful. Like I'm just, you know, I'm just not really listening. And, and I remember like, getting getting corrected about my body language and i was like what like bro what what do you because of the way that i sit this feels inappropriate actually right like like i remember getting corrected on my body language not because not because they were worried about you know what back problems i now have in my 30s um but because but because of what it communicated silently to the people around me in staff meeting what you look like you wanna i'm so glad you brought that up because i thought of it but i was not gonna bring it up because we were on staff at the same time and i think it's when we were engaged or maybe we were just we were married married? i remember i remember you coming out of that meeting like a one-on-one meeting and being like can you believe what they just said and you rattled it off and i was like yeah (laughs) i absolutely believe it because i have thought to myself i'm gonna knock him out like He looks so rude, but that's like, but that's because in, in comm classes, so you did like Theo and all of that in comm classes, I literally had to take a course on interpersonal communication. And my professor probably spent half of the semester on nonverbal communication. Yeah. And so, okay, so I was so tricked. Well, I just didn't take that no, class. No, no, no. You wouldn't have had to take it with your major. I, it, yeah. well, and we went to different universities, but I had to take it. And like, I remember when you came out of that, you were, you were so annoyed. And I was like, no, he's, yeah. a, he's absolutely right. Yeah, and I'm like, super annoyed. This is our, this is gonna be our first fight of our marriage. But that honestly, <laughs> yeah, I doubt that. But that honestly, <laughs> that honestly was like, was like so eye opening to me of like, of like, dang, all I'm doing is sitting in a room and people are thinking or feeling a way about 
the way that I sit, about the way, like what my face yeah. is doing while people are talking. This is the one that got me. I, 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 about who my eyes are looking at while other people are talking. That was the one that they called out that I was like, bro, where my eyes are? Are you serious? Like, I had no idea. Yeah. And I remember one of the things that they, that they said to me was like, look, man, like you have great things to say. You have really good things to contribute. But when that's your general disposition around the rest of the meeting, nobody wants to hear from you when you speak. Like nobody wants to like, and I, and I just remember like that, like gripping me of that being something that I was so unaware of that was blatantly undermining my influence. And I think that that's a whole section of things that we didn't get to talk about last time in terms of like liberties. And I think that this takes me back to a speech that you would regularly give to people <laughs> when, uh, when we were in college and, and early on, uh, in, in our careers is that, you know, like, yes, you are at full liberty to do whatever it is as a grown adult that you want to do. You do have that ability, but there may be some things that you're doing. And I'm not going to say it the way that you'll say it. You'll say it better than me, but like there may be some things that you're doing subconsciously or consciously that are causing people around you to look at you or feel a different type of way. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's just, it's just true. And it's what my youth pastor used to always say to us, like, in our late teenage years, like, you are an individual. And as an individual, you have the capacity to make decisions, the God-given free will and the capacity to make decisions. But those decisions that you make will have positive and negative consequences that will not only affect you, but affect the community around you. Mm -hmm. And it was just... It was a piece of discipleship. It, mm -hmm. it flows back to Jesus. I've been really in spiritual formation lately, and I've been reading a whole ton about it mm -hmm. because my life is way too busy and way too hurried, and I need to figure out what it means. So before I talk about it to anybody else, I'm like, man, I need to read about it and pray and, yeah, get a hold on this thing for myself. And from everything that I'm reading, whether it is Ruth Haley Barton or Dallas Willard. Oh, I love Ruth Haley. Oh, oh, my goodness. Sacred Rhythms. Crazy. I had to read that for school. Oh, my goodness. Crazy. I'm a humongous Ruth Haley mm -hmm. Barton fan, especially right now. Whether it's her, whether it's Dallas Willard, whether it's John Ortberg, whether it's John Mark Comer right now. That stuff is rocking my world right now. The reality is... One of the most spiritual, like, spiritual things that we can say is not like, it's crazy. That, like, yeah. Yeah. Don't think I'm a heretic when I say this, but like, <laughs> one of the most spiritual things you can say is not actually like, yeah, religious platitudes mm -hmm. or even sometimes quoting scriptures. But the most spiritual thing that you can say is a contextual yes and a contextual no. Like, mm, elaborate on that. Like, the idea of, Saying a contextual yes can be the most spiritual thing you do because you're actually making a decision that's in step with the spirit. And in making a decision that's actually in step with the spirit, you are actually creating a context and creating a scenario of shalom, not only for yourself, again, because the decisions we make have consequences mm -hmm. that affect not only ourselves, but in you making a decision 
that create shalom for yourself, you're thereby creating shalom for the people around you. Yeah. And like a contextual yes and a contextual no. I'm learning in my life are like the the best decisions I can possibly make. And when I make a contextual and when I say no, when I should say yes, or when I say yes, when I should say no, what I'm really doing is like undermining my influence. <laughs> like yeah. Undermining yeah. my influence to people around me. Yeah, when you say too many yeses, even when you when you say it and you mean well, like the person that asks you is a friend of yours and you love them or they're starting a new thing and you want to support them. And so you say yes when they ask you to do X, Y, or Z. When you say too many yeses, you get yourself stretched so thin that what you give to those yeses is so mediocre that it undermines your influence because you're giving half of what you could be doing. I listened to this podcast once. Gosh, what was it? Um, but they were they were talking about how um, they, they started ranking things, not in a mean way, um, but in a way of saying, if I say yes to this, can I give 80% or above of my, of my best? And if they didn't feel they could give 80% or above, then it was a no, because your 80% or I'm sorry, your your below 80% is somebody else's above. You know what I mean? Boom. So you're blocking somebody else from doing something that is an amazing opportunity for them that they're going to be able to give 100% of, and you're showing up with so much less than your best. You're undermining your influence by giving too many yeses. You're nailing it, and you're nailing it. And for me, it's complete arrogance to believe that my, like, mm-hmm. and it's like a deep-seated, like, Pride and arrogance for me to believe that like my forty percent, like yeah, my forty percent, yeah, is better than someone's ninety five. Like yeah, and yeah, yeah. Now we're digging in the my spiritual. (laughs) (laughs) No, but it's real though. It's real though because it has it has significant consequence. I think I think a lot of times that's a really easy one for us to to overlook is like not being intentional about our about our decision making and then you know like committing to something and then just being like, well, I mean, what worst case scenario? I don't follow through, or I can like you know I can pull out later, or I can you know do whatever. we oftentimes don't take into serious enough consideration the consequences that has on not only the people around us, because sometimes there are varying degrees to which we care about that, but also the, uh, the damage that that does to our influence with other people. And we don't think about it because it's not necessarily something you can tangibly see go down or tangibly see increase, but it is something that legitimately like takes, like takes away. Uh, oftentimes, oftentimes we use the analogy of like the, the broccoli in your teeth, right. Is, you know, the broccoli in your teeth is one of those things where it's like everybody around you sees it to some extent. Everybody's probably like exchanging looks with each other or snickers or grins, or they're like texting each other under the table. Like you see that giant friggin', you know, and, but they're not necessarily saying anything to you about it. It's something that like you are relatively unaware of. I'm unaware when there's something stuck in my teeth, but 
uh, what I don't realize is how aware everybody else yeah. is, right? And on a side note, that's how you know the real ones. That's how you know your true friends. That's yeah. how you know the people who are really for you is the people who, like, in a non-embarrassing way, will give you the little like symbol. You know what I'm yeah. saying? The little, the little, little sign. Reach, reach up with your yeah, pinky. like, hey, bro, like, you know, or or, like, nah, or, or instead of texting other people, they'll text you like, bro, you got you got a forest growing in between your jaws. Like, you got to take care of that, right? Like. Like that's the real ones, but that's, you know, that's for free. That's a side note. I think, um, I think that it, 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 that we all have tendencies that are like that. Um, we all have tendencies that, that undermine, uh, our influence that without realizing it, those tendencies are shaping our actions, right? Those tendencies are what inform our actions or, or, or out of them is how we live our life. But to what you were saying, every action we take has a consequence. Yeah. You know, consequence can be positive. It can be negative. But every action we take has a consequence. And those consequences are what shape our reality, right? It's what shapes the perception that other people have around us. I often tell people, you know, when we're doing, when we're doing coaching with, uh, with other businesses or, or, or whoever, um, if there is a perception or a narrative about you that you've heard or a reality that you're currently in, in your place of employment that you don't like, I tell them to like walk it backwards and figure out, see if you can pinpoint the tendencies that you have, whether you feel like that reality is true or not, doesn't matter. What are some of the tendencies that you have that may contribute to that, right? Walk that reality back to like, what are the consequences they've experienced that's caused them to be at that reality? What are the actions you've taken that led to those consequences? What are the tendencies that you, that you have that feed and inform those actions? So when we're talking about these tendencies that undermine our influence. I think it's really important that we define the type of influence that we're talking about, right? So we live in 2022 when like being an influencer is an actual job. Like yeah, there's true. there's people true. who no, they're getting the bag. Bro. Right. Like they're selling the one that I see all the time, sugar bear hair products. Like they're, yeah. they're like selling hair gummies on their Instagram. Man, like belie- believe it or not, shout out, shout out to Matt Murray on this one. Like, believe it or not, this podcast doesn't pay our bills. I know it's shocking. <laughs> I know it's shocking. Shout, no. out to Murray. <laughs> shocking. shout out to Murray. Right. Like we're not talking about 2022 social media platform influencer culture. When we say undermining your influence and when we're talking about identifying your tendencies that undermine your influence, we're not talking about the tendencies that are going to keep you from getting someone to pay for Instagram ads on your channel. Like that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about the God given influence that you have as a result of being a person of character, we're talking about the influence that comes with you being known amongst your coworkers, amongst your family, whatever, you being the only Christian that they know, you being the only person following Jesus that they know, you being the only positive mentor in somebody's life. We're talking about that kind of, that one-to-one influence that you have in every space where you find yourself the space you take up in your family in your household the space you take up 
with um, with your coworkers, the space you take up within your organization, within your right. neighborhood, within your community, within all the spaces that you exist. Like you have influence there to the point that if you weren't in those spaces, it is noticeable. Quick, yes. quick free side note, right? That is that is a trick and a ploy of the devil. Let me speak to that real quick. Mm-hmm. Like is to convince you that if you weren't there, people wouldn't notice. If you have ever felt that or thought that, that is a lie from the enemy and we rebuke right. that. Like you take up space, your your influence, your presence is uh does make an impact or leave imprint on other people. That's what we mean. That's what we mean when we say influence. Although if that turned into checks, that would be that would be okay too. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. And when I think about influence in the scriptures, like the life of David, just really jumps out at me. What you get with the life of David, and I'm talking about Pastor Paul today. What? Uh, shout out to the boss. I know. I don't even know if the boss has Wi-Fi, so I know he's not. <laughs> oh my god! I, I know the boss. Every episode, James picks somebody, somebody that he's like. I like, know they, they don't, don't know, know we don't have know a podcast. Like, I, I, I literally, he doesn't even have Wi-Fi. But big shout out to the boss. Uh, Pastor Paul, big shout out to to the Magics. Uh, he used to always say this, like religiously. He said, "Young people, no man of God has ever fallen from lack of talent or lack of anointing." His whole big deal was like talent and anointing are great, but he's like in Scripture, men of God always fall from lack of character and integrity. Yeah, and the reality for David's life is like David's life for us in scripture is a case study on what it means to be anointed by God and what it means to be gifted and talented and what it means to excel in that. I mean, Saul killed his thousands, but David killed his 10,000s. Saul like lost the anointing of God because of disobedience. David built Israel to a point where Solomon was able to take it to the next level Mm -hmm. and become like the richest nation in the ancient Mm -hmm. near East. Because of David's following Jesus, David's a worshiper. The Psalm book of Israel is predominantly written by David, which shows us that whether it's lament or whether it's wisdom or whether it's praise, this dude David is this incredible worshiper, this incredible man of God. But the reality is, in his story, like he has these tendencies that if you follow the story, these tendencies are going to continue to creep up. This dude David is a little bit impulsive. Mm -hmm. Right. This dude, David, like instead of like going to war like he should have, he's on the roof being idle. He looks out, he sees Bathsheba and he has this impulse and he Mm -hmm. follows the impulse to its natural end, causing a terrible situation for himself and for the people around him. Mm -hmm. Uh, All the other countries are counting how many people that they have. And what that's doing is simply like patting themselves on the back. And saying, like, hey, my country is big. I have pride. God told David not to take a census. What does David do? Makes an impulsive decision, and he takes this census. If you look in David's life, you're going to find these impulses. And these impulses are his tendencies. And these tendencies are going to undermine his influence in certain areas of his life. Now, David, at the end of the day, is still, like, this great king. He's still the man of God. Mm -hmm. But what happens after David's life is super interesting. David's sons kill each other and fight over mm-hmm. the throne. And then when Solomon, his son, gets the throne, 
David's negative tendencies not yeah. only affect himself, mm-hmm. but his negative tendencies are lived out in the life of his yep. son Solomon yep. and are extrapolated to these great lengths. Like David yeah. has 20 wives. So Solomon's watching this and he's like, oh, this is what it means to be a, this is what it means to be a powerful king. Yep. So yeah. David takes that and, or Solomon takes that and Solomon has a thousand wives. Yep. Solomon, even though God blesses him with all this wisdom, if you look in Ecclesiastes, like at the end of his life, yeah. like he's he's literally like pouring out the wisdom of I've wasted my life in pursuit of these things that don't matter. Yeah. Yeah. So our tendencies like not only like undermine our influence in certain areas of our lives, but what it does is it teaches like the generation under us that, oh, this is what it means to do this. And this is why this conversation is so important. Yeah, you brought something up. Um, it just, it just triggered, um, a thought in me when you're talking about how the other nations were doing a census and God told David not to, and then he did it anyways, you know, this, this train of thought, like that just popped in my head is like, how bad is it to take a census? And I just wonder if that's what David mm-hmm. was thinking. And he's looking yeah. at the nations around him, and he's like, you know, they did it. You know, God, I know you said not to, but, like, what harm is it going to do yeah. to count people? It's I'm a not, short-term view. Yeah, it's like, a short-sighted view. I'm not starting a yeah. war. I'm not doing this. I'm I'm not doing anything as bad as what this person over here. So he gets – he starts comparing. And, I, you know, comparison is something that undermines our influence so horribly death by comparison to say it all the time <clears throat> yeah like we can think to ourselves you know god said no for me on this but like these people are doing it, it's not that bad so like let me just do it anyways what's the it's, worst that it's could not happen like i'm doing it to this extent right we compare yeah. ourselves with others and then we also like you know so to speak we compare our sin you know to say it one way like we compare like oh well what i'm doing isn't near as bad as what they're doing so i can just do it i can right. go ahead with this What's what's so bad about us? You know, that comparison in every layer undermines our influence so deeply. Yeah, I think I think it's absolutely um, vital that we take the space uh, in in terms of like the, you know, our, our liberties as believers, that we take the space to process um and be more self-aware about like identifying what these tendencies are um, and the impact that they're having on other people. Right. Yeah. A question that um, in giant world it's, it's used a lot. And then in our, you know, obviously at third street and such it's, it circulates a lot is <clears throat> what is it like to be on the other side of you? Right. What's it like to be on the other side of you? And, um, one of the, one of the challenges that the people in, uh, in, in our huddle issued to us recently, uh, is something that he did while he was in college. He said, um, we should, we should go to three people in our lives that represent three different areas of our lives and ask them the question, like, how, what is it like to be on the other side of me? <clears throat> what is it like to be on the other side of me? And you get full license to be honest and I won't be defensive. I'll say thank you and I'll like meditate on it. Right. 
I'll get mad when I'm standing alone in the shower later, yeah. replaying the yeah. whole conversation. And I just kind of chuckled <laughs> when he was telling me about it. I was like, I was like, and how'd that go for you? He's like, man, I thought like they would be a lot nicer about it, <laughs> but that's like that. That's real. I think that, I think that that's a good, that that's a good practice for us. But in, in any case, whether you do that literally, or it's something that you process on your own time, the, uh, the question that I would, that I would have for us to come back to and to keep processing in terms of the, some of the liberties that we're taking or, or to what extent should I participate in this, et cetera, et cetera, is what are the tendencies that are current, uh, that are presently shaping our reality yeah like what are the tendencies that are shaping our reality because when we um when we have a clear understanding or a clear knowledge of what these tendencies are you know to some extent it's stuff that'll never go away it is something that will always be prone to but when we're aware of it we gain the ability to level up these tendencies, to choose the healthier action, to choose like the, the, the healthier option um, that hopefully then following it to consequences and reality then gets us to the desire or gets us to the reality that we desire, right? Gets us to the level of influence or the, uh, or the kind of influence that we actually want to have in these spaces. So let me pose a question for you guys. Um, I don't know if anybody listening to this is feeling a little bit like me. There's been a couple points where I uh, have had to like re-engage myself with this conversation because the things you guys are saying is sending me down this bunny trail of like, wow, I need to work on myself. Like I need to ask this person <laughs> this or I need to reevaluate you did. that. Fix it, Jesus. <laughs> right. Um, so, on, Jesus. so let me ask you guys this. Um, because I, I feel like there is absolutely a hopeful, um, a hopeful resolution to this. You brought up David, you brought up David's tendencies. Um, we've talked about asking people what it's like to be on the other side of ourselves. We've talked about, you know, naming, naming the, the broccoli in our teeth, figuring out what it is. What do you think it is about these people, about their lives, um, about what they did as leaders that causes us to remember them not by their tendencies, not by the ways that they undermine themselves. What are things that we can practically do other than just, you know, asking people questions about us? What can we do so that from from here on, from whatever point on, we are remembered as positive influences, as positive leaders? What is it about those people and their leadership and the way that they lived? that their shortcomings are not the first thing that's listed about them. I think David, maybe more than any character in the old Testament, he's up there with Ruth. I think it's like David and Ruth in these ways, David, like more than any other character in the old Testament is attuned to the heart and way of Jesus. Mm -hmm. Yep. So David, even though like he has these very human and very real, like impulses and shortcomings, the Psalter, like the Psalm book is just David's process. And where David always went was back to Yahweh. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like, and this dude, David, like after he made a mistake, what's dope is like, you never find David in the story. Like 
making the same mistake like twice. Ooh, that's it's cool. like wild. Like he learns. Like David, David learns, and David grows, and David is morphing, and David is changing, and that morphing and changing for David is found because of David's like deep intentional relationship with God. What you find with David in Psalm twenty-seven yeah. is that he's literally like running for his life from Saul. Yeah. And it like start and David starts and he like affirms truth. And he's like, the Lord is my light and salvation. Whom shall I fear? Whom shall I be afraid? And then he says, though the enemy seeks to eat my flesh and though they encamp against me. And then you get to verse four. This one thing that I desire from the Lord and that one thing will I seek after that I may dwell in the house of the Lord and inquire in his yes. presence and behold his beauty. So David, like, Though he is in bad situations, though he does bad thing, like bad things sometimes, the refrain of his life is to be in God's presence. And I think he's called a man after God's own heart because mm-hmm. he is uniquely in tuned into God's heart, which is portrayed for us in flesh in the revelation of Jesus. And what we find in Jesus is Jesus over and over and over again, nine times in the book of Mark, is going to talk about Jesus like doing these incredible miracles and Jesus showing these incredible signs. But literally, before he does every one of those signs, it says that he goes away yeah. to be quiet before the Lord. Or he goes to a quiet place. Like, that Greek idea is the aremos. It's that Jesus goes to the aremos. And it's this quiet space with the Lord where Jesus is able to connect with the Father, and through connection with the Father, Jesus is able to respond to the world around him as a messenger of the Father. And I think it's, yeah, I think we're able to, we're able to see good influence outweigh the bad influence Mm -hmm. in our life, because we're going to have bad influence. Mm -hmm. All of us, like, me and uh, me and my pal Easter Day, shout out to Easter Day. We talk on the phone all the time about just we grew up in the same town and we just talk about the fact that like, yeah, to the people around us, we just don't want to be people who like they talk about in counseling oh, because, amen. because we just feel like in our lives, we're like, yeah, man, like we're in counseling and we're talking about all these people from growing up. And we're just like, yeah, we don't want our wives. or We don't want like the people around us in our lives. Like we want to be like a short stint in the book that they're going to, we're like, they're going to go to counseling, mm-hmm. but we just don't want to be the people that they talk about. The one like, who sent them there. Like, yeah, the one yeah. who sent them there to their therapist. I might come up, but please don't yeah. let me be the one that drove you there. <laughs> yeah, please don't let like my actions be the thing that like sent you to counseling. Yeah. Because we talk about it and we're like, dang, like some of the same things and same issues, yeah. like, or what we talk about in counseling. And we're like, yo, we just don't. That's like one of my deepest prayers. I'm like, man, I just don't want my daughter to like go to counseling and be like, oh, yeah. oh. my dad, I've got daddy. <laughs> yeah. I know. I'm like, she's going to have some, but like it's a parenting goal of yeah. mine. Minimal counseling. <laughs> Min- yeah. like, minimal damage. Min- minimal damage into adulthood yeah. is my goal. I'm sure there's some stuff that's going to come up. In <laughs> it's going to come yeah, up. I get it. I get it. But yeah, but no, I think you, that's key. Yeah. You said it exactly. I mean, there's really nothing, there's really nothing I can, I can add to that other than, you know, I would come in and just emphasize this on a, on an iPhone text message thread. You um, would read it as, if it's a group text. I, did I say it was a group text? <laughs> Heck no. You know the answer to that. Um, but I am more likely to read a blue bubble group text <laughs> oh my than I am a green bubble group text. Get there. Um, yeah. Anyway, sorry. Um, 
No, I, I think I think it's that exactly. It's the desire to be in step with the spirit. It's the desire to do to be Christ like, right? Because because part of the promise, part of the hope that we have in following the gospel of Jesus Christ is that we are redeemed and so is our narrative. You say David, yeah. I talk about Saul, right? Yeah. Why do we not re- why do we remember Saul slash Paul's story picking up in Acts chapter nine and sometimes only barely reference the fact that he's in six, seven, and eight, yeah, right? Yeah. <laughs> like we don't, Killing cats, right? Like, like we, and the only time that we reference, the only time that we reference the fact that he was, that he was killing Christians is when we want to highlight the, the glory and the power of God to turn a Christian, uh, a murderer of Christians into a Christian. Like that's the only time we reference it now, right? Because that's part of the hope and the promise of the gospel of Jesus Christ is that at some point when we all come to ourselves, when we all realize that we are to, to steal a phrase from my brother to the right like a shoddy and shady individual um, but we come to know hope in the person of jesus what's promised is the redemption of our lives the redemption of our stories and the redemption of the way god is using the influence around us and so i think that I, yeah i i have nothing really to add uh to what you said it's just to 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 emphasize that it's because when you have a desire to be in step with the Lord. That's not to say you don't step outside of it ever again, that you don't stumble or trip up or fall off the path, but that when your heart is truly being transformed by the Holy Spirit and you follow your promptings and your desires uh, into Christ's likeness and Christ-mindedness, then He is faithful to come behind you and redeem all that all that has been done and all that will be done. Salvation works backwards as well as forwards. Um, and so I think that, I think that that's why we don't, we don't remember them like that. And so um, the hope that, that we have for those of us who have tendencies right now in our lives that we are falling victim to, or, you know, enslaved to is, is that God works it out and just know that there's no like miracle prayer, or miracle uh, mm-hmm. pill to change people's minds overnight, to change every element of your life overnight, right? This is, this is a process. And the best thing you can do to get on the other side of a reality that you're shaping that you don't like is to start with today, is to choose, is to, choose to live into healthier options and the tendencies that you have, more Christ-like actions out of the tendencies that you've identified today. Choose it today. When you wake up tomorrow, choose it tomorrow and do your best to choose it the day, the day after that and watch how God takes care of the rest. Right. Submit to the process. Go back like Man. three episodes, hit one and two Give on it. those ones. Listen to Dele. Like the process is everything. So listen, as we're wrapping this up, if you, if your mind was wandering, if you're down a bunny trail of self-loathing because you're thinking of all the ways that you have undermined your influence, hear the hope that, that these two just dropped. And if nothing else, remember that David, in all of his tendencies, in all of his fallen nature, in all of his wives, in his 900 kids, he didn't have 900 kids, I don't know how many it was, but in all of that, David was known as a man after God's own heart. Because that is a God that we serve, a God that looks at our tendencies and says, I have something better. I will use you in spite of it. And so as you are moving forward in your process, as you are moving forward 
towards trying to no longer undermine your influence, so was David. And he's remembered so well. All right, we'll be back in two weeks. That's good news. What's up? What's up? Thank you.